We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by TheraOne CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and the Lakers have won their first playoff game since May 18th, 2012, defeating the Portland Trailblazers 111-88, to 88 points being a season low for the Portland Trailblazers. The Lakers' defense was fantastic tonight. So in the first segment, Darius and I are going to get into what they were doing on defense to limit how much of it was Dame and CJ and all them other guys missing shots versus the Lakers forcing them to miss shots. So Darius, what did you see? Kind of what what is step one of why this was such an effective defensive performance tonight? I mean, it all starts at the point of attack, right, with Dame mm-hmm. and CJ. And, so what are we what are we doing there? Uh, you know, today I thought they made some good adjustments from game one in that they really started to, you know, you call it weaking the screen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I often use the term ice, which mostly applies more to sideline actions. But, but basically the Lakers were trying to make it so that Dame was not getting to the screen and was already seeing the help defender. Mm-hmm. You know, they were basically trying to make him go away from the screen seemingly as often as possible. And Mm -hmm. that starts with the guards up top really sort of shifting and shifting their stance, getting over the top of that angle so that Dame can't use that screen as as effectively. And they turned him into a driver. You know, they made it so that he can't always just walk right into that three-pointer versus a drop coverage. Mm -hmm. And... And that's that's just so important 
against Dame especially, but even against CJ too. Like I just thought that they were really up in him and, and made him take tough shots, tough jumpers for CJ, and then made Dame a driver. But but what were you seeing? Yeah, well, so just a quick explanation for listeners on Weeking. You'll notice, watch when the Lakers guards, this is usually going to be KCP or Caruso, but when they're defending either Dame or CJ and someone comes up to set a pick and roll, a ball screen for them, they'll position themselves where they're not really trying to let, to stay in front of Dame. They're trying to not let Dame go in a certain direction. They're trying to force him because, and, and this really gets to the nature of where the Lakers are best, right? Like from a scheme standpoint, it can all it can be very confusing, and if there's terminology that you that you don't know, but like, what is it about the Lakers that they have a natural ability for more than most teams? And I would say on the defensive end is that they have very big, very fast guys with length, guys who are unusually fast for their size and length. And so what that that allows the Lakers to do is say in a weakening the screen scenario, if you weak the screen so severely against other teams uh, or or if other teams do that, right? So the guard says, all right, we're not going to let Dame go to his right. That's the point of weakening, right? Like we're not going to let him go to his right and use this screen. So I'm going to position my body with my, where my back is facing the sideline, not the baseline, but the sideline and saying, you can drive this way. But if you do that too severely for most teams, you get Dame in this one-on-one against the big that's containing with some downhill speed and Dame's going to use an inside out dribble, a shoulder fake, a crossover, whatever he needs to do to shift that big's weight and then go in the other quickly change direction the other way. And he'll get a layup at the rim with the Lakers. They can do that so severely in large part because of Anthony Davis. And if the action moves over to the side, then that's something where, you know, we're really pressing up on those, uh, but yeah, the point of attack was was somewhere where our size and length behind our guards yeah. allows our guards to be very aggressive, but they're very aggressive within the game plan, right? So like, there aren't many mistakes, because what happens, all that sounds fine and dandy, but if your guard still lets Dame go to his right, now the big's expecting him to go to left, and now the big's going, oh crap, I gotta recover in this way, Dame's gonna get his hips turned, gonna draw a foul, gonna get all the way to the rim, it's gonna be bad news no matter what, so they, the Lakers guards are good defensively at executing the game plan That's and being right. aggressive and attacking. And so the way the guards defend by being very ball pressure and very ball denial, even on the off-screen stuff they try to do for Dame, everything, and KCP mentioned this in the post game. they're just trying to put pressure on them. We're picking them up full court, yeah. right? There's this cumulative effect that's going to wear them down as well, right? Shooters' legs, as soon as their legs start to go, they've played a lot of games Portland has. Every game they've played in the bubble has been a do-or-die type of game. And I think there's going to be more and more... Like, Portland's shot quality, we gave up 36, 37 points in that first quarter of Game 1. And since then, look at what they've scored in every quarter, except for the fourth. I tweeted that stat, stat out, man. It was like... 22, 21, 21, nineteen, mm-hmm. twenty, nineteen, nineteen, and that's like over six quarters of basketball, man. The like the Blazers during the eight game bubble, right? They were posting an offensive rate rating of over a hundred and twenty, and that's not over a quarter. That's over. That's over uh-huh. thirty two quarters, man. <laughs> right, like, right. like th- that's a ridiculous number. Like. Just think that the Mavs led the league this year, I think at 116 or 117, somewhere around there, and that was the highest number in terms of offensive efficiency over the course of a full season in the history of the league. The Mm -hmm. Blazers were basically six points per 100 possessions more than that Mm -hmm. during this eight-game bubble. That's a ridiculous number, and so for the Lakers to, to hold them to 100 points in game one, and then in the competitive part of of game two over the first three quarters to hold them to like fifty eight or something mm-hmm. crazy that's mm-hmm. that's just a ridiculous level of defensive execution now 
Some of that is the Blazers getting a little bit tired and worn out. Some of it was shot quality not being what they'd want. Some of that was their shooters not hitting the shots that 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 their guards generated for them, right? There were some definite, like, Dame driving kicks and, and a couple of shots that Melo took uh, that didn't go in. CJ missed a couple of open threes. Those are shots you would expect them to actually hit, but... I would argue, too, that when you're playing a top-level defense and you sort of you do sort of start to see ghosts, right? The way oh, that like for a quarter- sure. Mm-hmm. The, the way that a quarterback does when he's getting pressured and hit all game, right? Like suddenly you mm-hmm. see the blitz coming and it's not there, and that's when you throw an interception. So mm-hmm. some of this, too, is, is am I really open here? Is <laughs> sure. like like is that closeout coming? Where's Anthony Davis? Where's mm-hmm. JaVale? Where's Dwight? Is is Caruso on my hip right here? Is is Casey Kuzma closing really out? Get, mm-hmm. Right, like the Lakers do have a lot of size. They do have a lot of length. And then to get back to the point that you were making earlier about the Lakers' ability to sort of um, play the style of defense that they're playing this game, I would also argue that. The guards that they have are very good defensive slide guards, right? So they're not Ooh, necessarily mm-hmm. they're like they're not necessarily the best change of direction guys. Like if you like you can get Danny Green or KCP at the point point of attack with some wiggle, right? Mm-hmm. Alex Caruso a crossover. little bit less so, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like but but give a little head and shoulder, little quick crossover, you get a little bit of separation, and then quick guards can give those guys problems. But when all these guys are sitting in their stance and they're able to sort of influence the direction that that you're going they can slide with you mm-hmm. and, yes. and 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 then when you have length and quickness with your bigs behind that it can be like troublesome for for most guards but especially smaller guards like the blazers have i i love that point there's in when I coached, I loved I loved trapping. The longer I coached, it, high school is a different game, and in a lot of ways, strategically, it's a different sport, right? Because you're exploiting weaknesses of players that aren't nearly the same skill level, right? So you you find a, one or two kids on the other team, and be like, I'm gonna make him dribble, <laughs> you know, uh, and or I'm gonna make this guy make decisions. And but when you're trapping, you know, you're really spread out. And so what I would always coach is when we'd run our like two, two, one type press and we'd put uh, pressure on the ball it, for one, it'd be like, all right, we're going to force you towards certain spots, right? Sport spots of the floor. And so the way the, the tie in is this, is that you can't ask KCP, Alex Cruz or anyone else to be like, stay in front of Damian Lillard. Impossible. It's not That's possible. Right. But what you can do is say, your job is to not get beat to the left. That's all. And and almost every guard in the league can do that, right? Like, you can get beat with a drive in the opposite direction. Just don't let him go this way. And what that those defensive slides, for one, it puts every... It, you know, puts pressure on the ball handler. But when you're able to execute that, everybody's on the same page of like, okay, when when Dame beats you going to the left, because it's not going to be a matter of if, it's going to be a matter of when, Dame beats you to the left, AD's going to go here, this guy's going to help off onto AD's guy, this guy on the weak side's going to defend too. And so basically the what what you're saying with the their defensive slide guards is they can slide in one direction and do it really, really, really well. It's when they have to change direction that they can be vulnerable. But you can prevent Dame from changing direction in the first place. They're doing a great job of executing that. No, it, it's and this is how <clears throat> this is how you get your defense to be able to move on a string, right? Like this is what coaches talk talk about. the The way you do that is is by dictating the terms of engagement at the point of attack because you make your rotations then more paint-by-numbers because the flow of everything is going the way that you want it to, right? And Mm -hmm. so when you have to get into rotation, you're not scrambling, 
you're going to the places that you know you have to be at Mm -hmm. based off the fact that you've done your job at the point of attack. And for the No one's guessing. No one's guessing. And now for the better part of eight quarters, the Lakers have been dictating the terms of engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the problem with game one is that the offense was not there to back up that defensive play, Mm -hmm. right? And this game it was, and not only was the offense there, but I thought that the defense turned itself up even a higher notch Right. And, and and then the offense went up like six or seven levels from where they were in game one, but probably still weren't at their peak no, level of where they could be during the regular season from some of their strongest offensive games. Right. But the defense, which was already good in game one, went to great in game two. And then the offense went from like terrible to mm-hmm good a little Mm -hmm. bit better than good right you had some super like you had a superstar performance from from anthony davis you had a a really strong role player performance from kcp and then pretty much everyone else sort of did their job with lebron probably playing like a level below what you would want as a score but in terms of floor general Mm -hmm. he did that at lebron level right but Mm -hmm. but but not necessarily the the dynamic LeBron James. He didn't need to be, yeah. But the level in which their defense was performing was just at such an astronomical level. It was a clinic. It was a clinic. They're just almost impossible to beat when when they're that good defensively. Mm -hmm. And they were really that good defensively this game. That that was the most encouraging – part is like they were great on defense I remember this team this team that we saw tonight that's the team I remember on the defensive end like you said they were good in game one they were very good in game one this was a dominant defensive performance and you're talking about how that execution at the point of attack you're you're funneling into bigs right we all know what an amazing defender Anthony Davis is I just want to zero in for just a moment Dwight Howard is incredible on defense, man. He's he's gotten better on the perimeter as well, right? He's been at least showing at the level of the ball screen and getting in that deep stance, getting his hands out, right? Got a deflection in game one on that. And then, but in, in this game, like his presence around the rim, the degree to which he's altering, like Dame or CJ's got to go a little bit wider with their angle to get around. He's swiping down low. He's he's really physical and that's gonna have a cumulative effect. But just I, I just wanted to Dwight's defensive contributions in this game were just unbelievable. D- Dwight is one of the things that makes Dwight a special defensive player, to me at least, is his ability to play wide in a defensive stance Mm -hmm. in order to engage someone Mm -hmm. while also being able to go vertical the way that he can to Mm -hmm. challenge at the top of the mountain, right? And it's Mm -hmm. very rare when you combine those two things with his his physicality as Mm -hmm. well, right? And and so that's just... There's a reason why he's he is literally like one of the best defensive players the league has ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like he won what three straight defensive player of the year mm-hmm. awards. He he was a monster in his Orlando days, and that wasn't all just physical ability. No, he you knows know what I that's mean? that's a, he, that's the point that I wanted to make is he's he knows how to play defense and the fundamentals of it. And the like game plan of the other team, like all that stuff, it's easy to look at him and be like, look how buff that dude is, right? Look how athletic he is. But it goes way beyond that. No, he is just a smart defensive player, right? And you can tell, too, one of the reasons why Dwight has been so frustrated this series, the first two games, is because 
I feel like he's getting caught a little bit with some of his tricks, right? Like some of the hand <laughs> uh-huh. fighting that he does, some of the little nudges on a guy's hip to move him out, out of the way, some of the little slight shoves and body checks that he got away with pretty much all regular season. He's getting his hand caught in the cookie jar a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's just like, you could tell he's like WTF, man, like another <laughs> whistle on me, and, and he's frustrated with that, but... What I've been happy to see is that he's been playing through that, right? And and he's not toning it down at all. He's playing just as physical. Like, one of the plays that I was super impressed with with him, and it wasn't even anything crazy, but the Lakers were, like, they were sort of in one of those ice-style formations. Um, I think it was against C.J., who was being defended by either Danny Green or or KCP. CJ went baseline. Dwight sort of hedged out there and stayed with him, got CJ to sort of back up, mm-hmm. look like he was going to drive again, and then ended up shooting that fadeaway little 18-footer. I can't even remember if the shot went in or not because mm-hmm. that didn't even matter to it me. It didn't matter. What mattered to mm-hmm. me was that Dwight closed the gate. He, he did not let CJ get all the way to the basket or do that little hockey style Steve Nash dribble that goes underneath the rim, uh-huh. right? And and he's just closing down the angles. And yeah. that's how you can tell if a defender is relying solely on athleticism or if he understands defense, right? Mm-hmm. Is how does he play the angles? Mm-hmm. And Dwight Howard plays the angles great. Anthony Davis plays angles tremendously, you know, like a guy like Draymond. Like sure. that like that's what you look for is are you cutting down the angles? And if there's a thing I could actually point to from the Lakers overall this series, it's it's how they've played the angles, right? Yeah. Their guards are playing the angles at the point point of attack, their bigs are playing the angles behind like behind the ball and in help situations. And it's really leading to the Blazers not getting the type of shot quality that they that they expect to. And that's the trigger. That's the domino that when it falls against you mm-hmm. offensively, everything is just a little bit harder. And mm-hmm. when you're not dictating the flow of the game offensively, when you're a team like the Blazers who depend on getting you on your heels offensively in order to then make the flow of the game go in their direction, that's where they're running into problems. And for the majority of this series, the Lakers have been dictating the terms defensively. It's just that in game two, their offense showed up and – and as well, their defense went went up just like we were talking about earlier. And part of what made that uh, offensive performance a lot more dynamic was Anthony Davis. And we're going to talk about him in the second half. We're going to take a quick break, get into kind of the, the nature of AD on the offensive end in this series and even beyond that. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands how it feels to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the USA, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. That's T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot com backslash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. 
This is not something that Theragun is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. So Anthony Davis had 31 points and 11 rebounds in under 30 minutes tonight. Uh, Joel Embiid did that uh, last postseason, and then only, I think, three other guys had done that in NBA history. He was absurd and also at times frustrating, right? There were, when LeBron went to the bench, we would throw the ball to him in the mid post and it'd be a face up jump. And I, I find myself more and more on those areas going like, all right, here we go. Right. Like I, I don't have high expectations on the outcomes of those plays, but on everything else that he was doing, he was just remarkable. He had a quote after the game talking about how he thought he was a little too off balance on a lot of his shots in game one. And so in this game, he focused on doing more of that. And that really, he had a couple of sweet moves and, you know, had step back jumpers on the perimeter, had a great move uh, where uh, he crossed up Nurkic. He had a rip through and a jab step and then kept his uh, left foot down as the pivot foot and crossed back over left. And Nurkic was toast, got an and one on that. And then, but the play that really stood out to me, he had a, a post up against Wenyan Gabriel in the third quarter, I believe. And he had it on the right block. And Gabriel was really taking away middle. And I'm like, drop step, drop step, drop step. And he drop step and it was like an eh kind of drop step. And Gabriel had been setting him up for that anyway. So he quickly shifts back over and uh, kind of walls him off. And instead of like taking that contact and fading away, he went into Gabriel. He put his shoulder into him. It was he went he clipped his hip, hip to hip, and like put his had his momentum going toward the basket. And he banked in a little five footer right there. And that is the type of embracing of his physicality. Like he's not the most physical guy, but he should be a guy where no matter who you put on him, he doesn't like that guy can't deal with with that thing that AD does, right? And I really think that those those pivots and jumping toward the basket rather than fading away are a big part of that. What what did you see from his offensive game? I mean, first and foremost, man, like he was just out there running hard, playing hard. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I actually thought he played himself into a rhythm by making a bunch of hustle plays Mm -hmm. and by simply just getting out there and leveraging the fact that he is, that he is just quicker than every big man that the Blazers are throwing at him. Right. And so he had, he had a couple of tip finishes. He had that one tip finish that got waved off. That probably shouldn't have that looked like it was outside the cylinder on well, well on the replay uh, he ran the floor wonderfully as like off of defensive rebounds and his off rim of turnovers. runs were great, man. So, so good. So he just did a lot where he was just like, I'm a better athlete, mm-hmm. right? And I thought that by doing that, he sort of played himself into the flow of the game and played himself into a rhythm where then the jumper did start to fall and he started to play with more confidence <clears throat> and you you know any player when they start to play with confidence they can start to make an impact right mm-hmm. like and and that's true of every nba player they were all a star at one point in their life right, right. but when you get a super duper star yeah NBA player yeah. who is then starting to feel his game, that's, that's to the stratosphere. And that's when those guys become absolutely unguardable. And that's what AD was this game. He had in the third quarter those back-to-back possessions where we had like three and a half seconds left on the uh, 
on the shot clock on a baseline out of bounds play and Caruso just kind of threw it into him and he just hits this step back three like it's nothing then the next play like Whiteside kind of close out closes out and he attacks the close out and like jab steps and you know hits this turnaround jumper that's just like there's nothing you can do about that shot there's nothing you can do about it because if you if you press up on him he would have gone by all the way right like Whiteside's gotta chop his feet and break down to cut off that baseline drive and then it's just this turnaround like you said those are it's a stratosphere that just when a guy like ad when a great player is feeling it there's you just can't get to it It, but it's the getting into that rhythm in the first place and his rim runs were wonderfully talked about after game one how lakers need to push the pace more and he really contributed to that and he grabbed three offensive rebounds in that first quarter that were really you know I think helped him get into that rhythm. And so like playing himself into that while staying really locked in and focused on the defensive end, he was just fantastic. Now, when LeBron sat though is when we saw more of that stagnant, those face-up jumpers in that late first, uh, those scenarios. Is there anything we can be doing in those or in those non-LeBron lineups to get fewer of those possessions or do you think in the first place do you think that that's a necessary kind of part of the diet in the first place I mean I do think that it is just a part of the diet with with AD uh, especially in like a Frank Vogel offense there's Mm -hmm. not gonna and with some of the guard limitations that the Lakers have right so there's like a formula that exists here that some of this is just circumstance like Mm -hmm. it's a great point like you're if, telling AD, like, all right, man, right? Your guards right now are Alex Caruso and KCP, and you're flanked by Kyle Kuzma and mm-hmm. and maybe like Morris or Dwight Howard, right? A- sure. And and who's gonna run a pick and roll with you? What about right? D- what about Dion though? Yeah, no, I think Dion is. So here's the thing with Dion though is as a pick-and-roll player, he is about 75 80%. I'm snaking the dribble. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for my own. Sure. Right? Like, which is, which when he has it going, that's going to be a valuable thing for the Lakers from a shot creation standpoint. But if you're talking about trying to get AD going, what you want is that guy who can come off of, who can come off of that, pick and roll hard who's not necessarily looking to snake the dribble but mm-hmm. is it is but is both a mid-range jump shooter threat and is a drive all the way to the basket threat because it's that dual threat as a ball handler that creates the pocket pass right mm-hmm. because when you make the big engage you at the point of attack that's what creates yeah. that's what creates that space now Caruso's made that pocket pass to AD a couple of times, but even that is likely dragging him into a pull-up jumper. It's not leading him right. to to the basket, right? I actually think the thing the Lakers need to do more in those scenarios is actually say, you know what? Like, we're going to turn into, this is going to sound weird, we're going to turn into the Sacramento Kings. Like, what we're going to do is we're going to push the ball up the damn floor Every single time, sure. we're going to run and run and run and run, and we're going to try to leverage AD as as this sort of hybrid small forward center, right, who sure. can fill middle lane, who can fill wide lane, who can grab and go, who can, right, because there's stuff that you can do to get him out in space because mm-hmm. that's what AD needs yeah. He needs to play in space. You can't put him in a phone booth and say, go like, go create your shot because he's still going to find himself in those situations where he gets bumped off his spot a little mm-hmm. bit too too much or, sure. or he's going to settle for that standalone jumper, and that's not exactly what you want. Now, when it's going in, you're just like, oh, well, that's Anthony Davis. Like, he's great, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to optimize him, you probably – not probably you need to get him into the creases of the defense more. And I'm not exactly sure how that formula works considering the Lakers personnel. The one thing I'd say with Dion is that that ability to even looking for his own 
and being a threat on pull-ups between that and then the threat of AD crashing the offensive boards I think that's I think you are still getting more out of AD in that circumstance than you do with those stagnant clear out one side type of touches right like those have been relatively unproductive for for most of the season so I think that while Dion's certainly not the perfect option there I think just having a scoring threat is better than anything else that we've got on those like KCP can do it if it's off of a handoff but if you're asking him to to snake and things like like KCP's not snaking a pick and roll he's a downhill you know straight line drive type of player and so I I don't know. I just think that that if you want to loosen things up on the offense. Now, Vogel, I was thinking about this the other day, is that Vogel is a defensive coach by nature. And that when there is a problem or something that needs to be addressed, he is going to try to solve it through defensive means. I'm going to have my defensive talent out there and we're going to be a great defensive team. And that's really, I mean, there's a great argument for that, right? Like if the Lakers can defend like tonight, while having LeBron James and Anthony Davis on their team, they're a long way there, man. Like, make shots sometimes, and you probably are in in really well, good shape. That's been their identity all year, right? Right, And, and so, right. like, we sort of remember, go all the way back to the first 10, 20 games of the season, and remember there were, like, those weird stats where the Lakers were like, they were 12th on offense or 14th on offense, but they were third on defense or second mm-hmm. on defense. And it was sort of just like, okay, well, is the Lakers defense for real? And, and that's when that whole argument about, well, who have they played, right? Like they're eight <laughs> right. and two, but who have they played? Like they're 17 and three, but who have they played? The fact is though, is that they were grinding teams down with their defense and then turning defense in well, well into offense by playing a transition game. And, and then when mm-hmm. their half court offense started to star started to come around and the shooting started to come through, that's when they rocketed up the offensive efficiency side too. And right. they become a, and they became a top five team on both sides of the ball. But that instinct of our identity is to defend first mm-hmm. that that has been Vogel's M.O. and this team's M.O. for the entire season, and it came back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that was that was what was so encouraging about tonight. It was the first time where I saw the Lakers be great at something since they've been in the bubble. And it's this is probably a bit of a over-exaggeration, but you remember the runs the Warriors used to go on, right, like during the, the championship years? They would end games in, like, it's a close game, and... Three minutes later, they're up by 18 or something absurd like that. The Lakers went on a lot of massive runs this season, and they went about it with their defense, right? It's these scrambling, forcing turnovers, getting out on the break. It's a it's a little different than, although, you know, the Warriors were fantastic defensively, Lakers are just bigger, right? And But the way that the Lakers would go on those, we had an 18 nothing run against Milwaukee, of all teams, yeah. and where they would not, like, you mentioned that they would grind teams down, and they would, but there was also a, a, like, a blitzing factor to it, right? Like this lightning strike, like, damn, they, did you see that? R- that run they just went on type thing? That they did some of that in the third quarter. Like The first quarter, like it felt like, yeah, you're playing well, you guys are doing that, and then... But it wasn't, they didn't get a ton of separation. But toward the end of the second quarter and then into the beginning of the third was when they really went on that first run of the bubble where I was like, check you guys out. I remember you. And it was really nice to see. Yeah, it was like seeing an old friend. Yeah, right. Like, like where where you get the big dap and the big hug. Like, we'll do that after COVID, right? Uh But, but, yeah. But, but that's (laughs) what, but that's what this was like. That's what this game was like. This was a, non-competitive game by the time the fourth quarter came and and if there's anything that sort of reminds me of that Warriors team it was that right like that 73 Warriors team there was a lot of of joking around on the bench come fourth quarter quarter time and that's what the Lakers were able to do this game I want to get back though some to Anthony Davis just a little bit because 
I thought it was important that he he was able to sort of play as much center as he did hmm. this game. I you the the Blazers really have no choice but to play their two centers a lot because of Zach Collins being right. hurt right now. And so for one, I thought it was important that Kuz was able to hold up defensively against Nurkic in the post in that first half, especially during the second quarter when LeBron was on the bench, right? But AD at the five is still the Lakers' silver bullet. And call me crazy, if the Lakers are able to advance, I actually think that this is a great series to sort of give AD his rhythm against like really big and physical dudes that are sort of Mm. hard to move and tough to play against as a center, right? Like these are actually the matchups why AD probably wants to play power forward throughout the regular season. Oh yeah. You don't want to be Nurkic is a freaking load, man. Like, well, even Whiteside is just a, like he's just a, a big dude. Big, yeah. He's just a big dude, man. Like Whiteside's probably what seven foot, seven one, like two hundred and eighty pounds, and and Nurk is like right there with him. Mm-hmm. Like those are big dudes, and, and banging up against those guys for forty eight minutes isn't something that AD probably wants to do over the course of like an eighty two game season. Right. That said, in this series, almost all of his minutes at the five are going to come against one uh, like against one of those dudes right and, and there like there's not going to be some some weird small ball five that matches up with him during the course of of any of his shifts when right. the Lakers go like well when the Lakers go small right like he's not going to see like a Tony Bradley like if they were playing the Jazz or PJ or Tucker, some, man, like or, the next series could be a very uh, interesting series from that perspective, right? Like these small ball fives, it's going to be very different in, in the front court. No, that's right. So it'll be interesting, though, because if the Lakers are going to advance and play deep into the playoffs, odds are is that AD is going to spend more and more time at the five as the Lakers advance deeper into the playoffs. And and oddly enough, I I think that this series can sort of battle harden him in in a way that I think will be beneficial to him. We'll see. Maybe yeah. I'm off with that, but but I just I I just wanted to get back to AD for a second. Sure. A because he was just so good tonight, and, and we could probably talk for 20 more minutes just about how gifted of an offensive player he is, and and how much he was in his bag this game but but it all started to me with like i said earlier it 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 really did all start with him basically saying you know what like i'm a run and jump athlete against a couple of slow footed bigs and and i'm going to and i'm just going to run and run and run and run and i'm going to make it so that these guys cannot guard me and and he played himself to the and he played himself into a flow where he basically just right rolled downhill man and and just got that momentum going it, it's funny when you watch any player but especially a superstar on a day-to-day basis you understand them better and worse just in a different way like obviously i'd watched ad plenty of times in in his several years in in the nba but watching him on a night to night basis the main thing that stood out to me was how hard he plays. He's just going and going and going. And I remember, you know, I'd go through game footage and your average player is going to have three, four, five minutes of relevant footage where he's a relevant part of the player. And AD is a seven or eight minute guy, right? And a lot of it's on the defensive end. And it's just, he's so active. And that was one of the strange things about game one is he didn't really make his presence known. And I think that was reflected in like the minus twenty that he was. I think he was what like plus thirty two or something in this in this game. And but he was everywhere. And that was something where I was like, I remember that guy, right? Like that's that's what makes Anthony Davis special. 
is he can do plenty of things. There's very few things on a basketball court that he can't do. But what makes him special is the ability to impact every type of play to get that seven, eight, even nine minutes of footage over the course of a 48-minute game where he was a really big part of that play happening positively for the Lakers. And so him just getting back up to that level of activity is going to make a world of difference for this team. Yeah, man. Like, look, man, just think of the different types of plays that he made this game mm. and at and at his size, right? And so tip dunk, like running the lane and getting a dunk, step back three, Chase down Dame for a block after uh, showing at the level of the ball. Exactly, right? Dropped his hips and then trailed and then pinned it right right against the glass. He that that move that he had against Whiteside where he where he drove right, spun spun Shut spun up. back to his left and hey. then went into a step back. Right, like it wasn't just like a, like a spin into a turn, turn around jumper. Oh no, he's gonna spin right into a step back jumper with flawless footwork. There's just there's really no other player in the league that's quite like him, mm-hmm. right? Like in for all of the like, oh, this guy's a unicorn talk. Like AD really is a one of one in yeah. this league and against the Blazers. <clears throat> as weirdly as as it sounds, because on a team with like LeBron James, they really don't have anyone that can contain AD, and I think that's why, even though he got his numbers in Game One, and a lot of it was by gaining advantage and mostly getting fouled, mm-hmm. right? That he was not the same impact player in Game One that he was in in game two and look man like if i'm not saying ad has to be this good every night but if he's approaching this level the lakers go to a whole nother place because lebron is going to be lebron the mm-hmm. attention is going to be on him he's going to make the right reads he's going to make the right passes you i thought I said this earlier, but I thought as a floor general and the way that LeBron sort of parked himself in the post and and demanded the extra attention and then made the right passes, I thought that was very key to sort of settling the Lakers in to the style that they were going to play offensively and and the level of focus that they were going to have offensively, which I think was a big trigger mm-hmm. for the resurgence that that they had offensively. But AD's the guy who takes that standard level and then hits, you know, level 12 on the elevator button and mm-hmm. says, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to take you guys here now. Right. A- and when LeBron is your baseline, but AD can take you up, that's what makes this Laker team dangerous. And yeah. the Blazers saw that this game firsthand. Yeah, like LeBron is still the great athlete but Anthony Davis is the best athlete on this team and there LeBron is more dominant through his mental understanding of the game right because he's not like a he's not a dame he's not a pull-up shooter really he's not a like in, in terms of like the skills and the shooting skills triple threat ability things like that he, he's not that type of player but he's again that command center of the team but when that's attached to a wreck shop dominant athlete is when things can can really get going and the thing about LeBron's like I think LeBron's scoring is going to come and go and I think there's going to be a point during these playoffs where there needs to be a degree of shot making from him and just from guys in general that like we need LeBron to be able to score this is not a game like that but LeBron's passing will be there every day, right? That that ability to make the reads. And it's so much easier when you have a guy who, like, just get it to him and he'll take care of the rest type thing, right? As opposed to asking him to create the play. The tandem of them really just showed off how, you know, wonderfully they they fit together. So, all right, that's going to do it. Lakers come away, tie the series at 1 with a 111-88 to victory over the Blazers. We've got Game 3 coming up on Saturday. And until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Bam.
Jennings has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.